0: I don't even ask her, I just say, you have pain in your back right there, right? And she's like, how do you know that? And like, okay, this is good, (laughs) this is happening. And I'm so excited that I get actually to be, yes, awesome! But like, she's looking at me weird, and I say, no, no, but I believe you're gonna be healed right
1: now. And that changes the atmosphere, and I say, can I pray for you? Welcome to Along The Way. I'm John Matarazzo, your host and fellow traveler. Thank you for joining me along my way as I try to become more like Jesus every day. I love talking with fascinating people and learning how God has met them along their way. Everyone has a story and I believe that we can all learn from each other and our journeys. Through this episode, I want to encourage you to look for the story in others. God has placed hidden gems of wisdom in others and the Holy Spirit will reveal life-changing truths throughout our conversations. In this episode of Along the Way, my journey connects me with French evangelist Manu de Malaprade. I met him in a very Along the Way kind of way, randomly, at church, and neither of us knew that we would be there, or knew of each other. But when I heard his stories of how God gives him special words of knowledge for people, and that have led to healing and salvation, I asked him to join me Along the Way. Before we get to the interview, I just want to say thank you for listening to Along the Way. I'm really excited to share some upcoming episodes with you. I spent some time in Nashville interviewing some awesome friends that I've met along the way as a TV producer, as well as some new friends from this trip. It's been an amazing trip, and I can't wait to share these conversations with you. Look out for those and more along the way content on Facebook and Instagram. You can always email me at johnalongtheway@gmail.com. at gmail.com. My social links and web address are in the show notes. I'd love to hear from you. And now, here is my along the way conversation with Manu de Malaprade. Manu de Malaprade? Yes. Did I say that right? Yes. Okay, good. Yeah. It's a pleasure to have you on along the way. Um, pleasure for me to be uh, on uh, your podcast. So, what what part of France are you from, and and how did you how did we end up meeting?
0: Yeah, so I'm uh, I'm from France, actually, originally from the southwest of France, uh, like near Bordeaux, if you. If you heard of the Bordeaux wine that's where it's okay. uh, it's made it's so, good stuff there Yeah, exactly and so I come from there but I've never lived there like uh, my dad was in the military he was a chaplain actually a Protestant chaplain in the military and so we moved a lot I even lived in Africa for two years oh, uh, wow. in Djibouti I okay it's a, it's a funny uh, funny name yeah <laughs> for American Djibouti but uh, yeah and and uh, lived uh, Good part of my life near Switzerland, so in the eastern part mm-hmm. of France, and uh, when I was nineteen, moved to Paris and paris region and i 've been there for a long time now
1: okay, yeah, about fourteen years and so you are an evangelist yes, okay, and so france is a is a country that isn 't hasn 't been too friendly with the gospel recently, right not very yeah no, no uh,
0: in the past seventy years the the church increased so much that now we, we, we say that there's about one percent of born again Christians in France. So ninety nine percent of people being uh, like we're trying to reach them, yeah. those
1: ninety nine percent. Yeah. So in France you have some amazing cathedrals like the Notre Dame Cathedral, yep. which sadly had that fire. Yeah. And I know that they're gonna invest a lot to repair that, but yeah. that's a Catholic church, right? Yeah, it's a Catholic church. Yeah. So there's only like 1% that's evangelical Christian. So what is the remaining 99%, I guess, is what I'm trying to ask.
0: Yeah, so there is like a, um, uh, it's it's an interesting, like there's 10% of people from a Muslim background. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean they're Muslim, but usually they won't eat pork and they might try to go to the mosque every every once in a while. Like I don't know about the people who are really strongly Muslim, but I think it's not more than half of those people. Um, then there is a lot of people that would call themselves Catholics, okay. uh, even though they don't even go to church once a year. Like it's a very, uh, uh, yeah, kind of far from church uh, Catholicism. Uh, so some sometimes, I mean, I, I really think and I feel it's hard to have numbers, but sure. probably 2% of French people are regular attenders to Catholic churches so mm-hmm. that that might kind of grow yeah. this number but still 97% of people not really going to church and there is a, um, close to half of the people in France don't uh, say that they have any religion they are atheists or mm-hmm. agnostics yeah. uh, like this is a big number to work right. with uh, definitely and a few people are in Buddhism but it's, it's hard to know yeah. exactly other religions uh, we don't have a lot of Jewish people but mm-hmm uh definitely uh, uh, some jewish people especially in paris so
1: so it's almost as if the by those numbers it's almost as if france is an unreached people group
0: i exactly yeah, yeah. when you when you arrive there uh whether you start working with the very traditional church and there are people who are called to do that and some traditional churches mm-hmm. are seeing kind of renewals uh, within them uh, or you're uh, you just start from scratch with people who have never heard of anything in the bible they don't know anything and and you just have to 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 tell them exactly uh how, what to do how to believe and yeah. they have no culture of what it is to be a christian it's uh it's, everything is new for them
1: wow so how did God call you to be an evangelist? And what, is, what does that look like for you in France? So yeah, something that's interesting um, in my background
0: is that even though uh, like, I'm, I'm fully French, uh, I come from a, like a big generation of pastors. And, uh, okay. Yeah. I'm, I just have a blessed uh, legacy. Blessed legacy. Uh, so my dad is a pastor and an evangelist. Uh, My grandfather uh, was a pastor, and my great-grandfather was a pastor. And so that's kind of like shaping a little bit, like God is is really doing something in my family Mm -hmm. to kind of get to me and maybe someday to my children. I don't know exactly the legacy that we're going to keep having, but there's something very powerful. And I, I take some of the like the anointing that was on my grandfather and my great-grandfather and on my dad. And I actually have all of this with mm. me now that makes actually my, my ministry grow. And, and, and I'm able to uh, to connect with so many French people. And that's how, like I would say, that's the first thing that made me consider evangelism. It's because I was
1: familiar with it with my dad. Okay. Very cool. We'll, we'll talk more about that in a moment. But I want to uh-huh. just briefly talk about how you're in the United States right now. Yeah. I've never been to France Um, I don't even think I've had a layover in a French airport, but one day I I hope to get there. So a few weeks ago, you were visiting uh, one of the campuses of of my church, and I just happened to be there helping uh, run sound that day. It's not not the normal campus that I go to. And so it was one of those things where you were visiting, and you weren't really planning on being there. And I was serving, and it wasn't... It wasn't normal situations that, that we met, but yeah. mutual friend, uh, Pastor Jonathan Cordell, uh, introduced us. And you started telling me some amazing stories of what God is doing through your ministry in, in, in France mm-hmm. about how the Spirit is moving yeah. in tremendous ways. And so that's, that kind of covers the basis of, of how we've met. But what what brought you to the United States? And then let's talk about how how God's moving in France. All right, so what's bringing me to the United States is
0: that um, eight years ago, I was doing an internship in the uh, Jonathan, Pastor Jonathan Mm -hmm. Portals Church, uh, and uh, that's where I learned English. Like, I didn't know English before. Uh, That's where I uh, learned about church planting, and like that, I really felt like I was called to plant churches in France. And uh, so I've had this relationship with a... with this church and with Pittsburgh, actually mm-hmm. I'm a Steelers fan. Nice. Uh, yeah, I nice. know. <laughs> Being from France and and um uh so coming like I came back for the past two years I've came back once or twice a year, uh and also to raise support for my mm-hmm. ministry too, because I mean when you have one percent of evangelicals, right. finding people and churches supporting you in your ministry is difficult. Sure. Um and so that was kind of a good uh a good connection I had here. And I actually met my wife uh It's uh, a good reason part of this here? church here yep uh, two years ago and uh, we got married a little over a year ago and so we came to see her family okay. great support just just uh, share about all the connections we have and share about what's going on in our ministry in France so that's why we're mm-hmm. uh, in America now if we were at the church where I met you yes. um, that day it's interesting because we were booked for every church to speak. And we are mostly in Erie, and uh, there's a, a church that canceled at the last minute, couldn't really have us. Uh-huh. And uh, so we're kind of like, oh, no, like we uh, Sundays, you know, when you're here for nine Sundays, right. and churches ask you to be there. So we couldn't schedule anything. So and we're, you're trying
1: to raise money. Exactly. So you want to make so, every moment count. Yeah.
0: Exactly. So we, we decided to come from Erie and say, well, let's spend some time with our friends, Jonathan and Annika. Yeah. And and it happened to be their, their weekend off. Like he's a pastor, <laughs> yeah. but it's his weekend off. And even though they had thought about actually going to spend the day in Erie and maybe Mm -hmm. go to church in Erie, uh, they they told me about your church. And um, I know it's not your campus, but uh, it's the campus of your church. And they said, you should go there. It's really a nice church. Uh I know some of the pastors there. So we thought about going on our own. And then at the last minute, of course, uh, Jonathan and Arika felt, well, we're just going to go with you at church and then go to Erie later. And so... We just ended up uh, meeting you at the sound booth, and
1: that's how you're here now. (laughs) Definitely an along-the-way encounter, for sure. Exactly. And you started telling me some awesome stories of how God is moving in... It, through your ministry yeah. in France. So let's let's dive right into that.
0: Yeah, and I actually you know what's fun is that because I'm in France it's happening in France but uh every time uh, everywhere I'm um, uh, traveling it's happening too and and this this thing is that um a few years ago um I was kind of blown away by some videos i was seeing on on uh, youtube about like evangelists who mm-hmm. are going in the streets and start praying for people and seeing healing happening and it was kind of burning in my heart that wow, that's exactly what the kind of things I want to do, which was hard. I'm, I'm an overweight guy, and I, uh, I tend to care a lot about what people think of me. Sure. So kind of going in the streets and randomly and trying to start talking with people and pray for them. That, like, it was a long process in my mind, so it took over a year for mm-hmm. me to get, okay, it's not about you, it's about Jesus and how okay. he loves people. Yeah. But there was something really strong and powerful in the fact that um, French people, like if half of the French people don't even care that it, there's a God, mm-hmm. and there's no way to have a conversation with them unless you end up like having a miracle in front of their eyes. Yeah, it's not that I want our faith to be based only on miracles, of course, but it's such. A, I mean, that's what Jesus was doing. He was mm-hmm. just like performing a miracle and then teaching right. about the kingdom. And so I was like really um, craving for this to be part of my ministry and, and, um, and that's exactly why I'm doing it. Like I've been able to, to share faith with so many people because if I just start to, to, to speak just talking people are not uh, not aware but if i actually come to them and i have a word of knowledge something mm-hmm. that only god could know about their life then then they open and say what what's happening yeah. and you tell them exactly what's behind that the holy spirit is talking to us and we have to just listen to him and as a believer he was telling me something for you and now you are uh you are here and you have the possibility to give your life to christ and so i've have had people giving their life to christ and some so so many different places it's just uh just funny not in churches Mm -hmm. and that's what i i love yeah ministry everything i love seeing church happen outside of the church building that's kind of my life
1: absolutely so let's let's paint this picture a little bit for me okay Uh so here's somebody on the street and what and you're like okay i want to talk to this person tell me what happens all right so Me,
0: I found out a thing that works pretty well uh, if I don't have anything else, like if I don't have a word or if Mm -hmm. I don't feel like, okay, like somebody with crutches sometimes just go to them and say, hey, would you mind me praying for you? Like, I think God could heal you or something like that. Sometimes it's hard because you cannot go to everybody on a wheelchair and say, hey, you're not right. You're handicapped. Like, that's not what you want to say at all. Okay. Of course, but it's always hard because some people don't want to be prayed for. Mm -hmm. Uh, But what I do mostly is to say, um uh, hey can i ask you a question sure um like let's 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 say that god is real and 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 you could ask him anything that you want to see change in your life personally something that what, 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 what would it be? Like, what would you tell God? Okay, change this in my life. And it's interesting because um, when I usually ask people if I can pray for them, they, they just talk about somebody else. Mm-hmm. They just say, eh, yeah, you can pray for my sister or anything. Right. But when you actually end up saying that, people understand that it's personal. They don't expect prayer from you. They just mm-hmm. say, okay, it's like a question. And so they say, well, uh, I don't have a job. And you just get like people sharing some stuff that are super personal sometimes. Yeah. Very often. I, I think even the French people tend to be personal quickly sometimes, which is weird. Uh but and so you just like you have a discussion with them and you and it can be really quick, but I just say, Hey, okay, right and I take their hand like I'm saying goodbye, putting my other hand hand mm-hmm. on their hand and then just like saying Father I just want to pray for this this person right now, and I want you to change that in their life and anything and this kind of those little things are kind of bring the kingdom uh, smoothly you know in people 's life, and mm-hmm. most of them are actually open, and they 're just like well, you were praying with open eyes, like, what does that mean? And then you get, oh, yeah, I'm not religious, yeah. so I'm a pastor, I say that, but I am anti-religion. Uh-huh. And they say, what? What does that mean? I say, yeah, right. religion is not my thing, I don't think it's really, uh, I'm all about relationship with Jesus. And so it just brings to discussions and brings to, to words of knowledge often, uh, when, I, when they actually allow me to pray for them they they don't think i'm going to pray right away mm-hmm. yeah sure pray pray for me and say okay and and i pray with open eyes because because I just don't want people to think that I'm, uh, like, they, that would make them uncomfortable if I'm starting to pray okay. and just draw my hands and, and, and close my eyes. Right. So that's, that's how I'm doing it. It's just, like, very randomly. And people are shocked because they're not used to that at all. When they have a picture of church, they think an organ and mm-hmm. boring. They have no idea. Like, if you had, if you bring people from France for the first time in a church that has just one guy playing the guitar, they're going to think it's a revolution for them. You know, like in, in America, sometimes everybody yeah. knows about contemporary churches. Right, right. You can turn on the TV and have a contemporary worship service. In France, there is there is no churches and no evangelical churches is so rare that anything is new for them, and that's kind of cool. I think. Yeah. When you're an
1: evangelist. Right. Yeah. Everything is new, and you just by keeping your eyes open. Yeah. And just being real with somebody, you're taking the religion out of the relationship.
0: Yeah. I guess. Yeah, exactly.
1: You're, you're making it real to them, I yep, guess. Yep, absolutely. So what are some of those things that, that you remember have happened when that happened when well, you do that?
0: I can tell you the something really fresh that happened like the week before we came to America with my sure. wife, which was like back in June, so we are in 2019. J- June 2019 we nineteen. We're mm-hmm. going uh, to a glamping area uh, with a few missionaries. It was like young missionaries who invited us, because they, they didn't speak French, they were from America and they were f- there for a mission trip, but they invited uh, my wife and I, just saying well, you, you speak French, maybe you can uh, just uh, get to know people around, mm-hmm. and so they invited every from the glamping for a barbecue party and um, and those people uh, who are non-believers brought alcohol to the party and started getting drunk so <laughs> what was supposed to be you know this mm-hmm. thing where maybe Manu is going to share in front of everybody faith that didn't happen it yeah. was just like now nah, they were here for a party getting drunk and then I'm like here I'm like okay god I'm going to have to do something with those drunk people how do you share your faith to drunk people mm-hmm. and um and after after a little while, there was one who was not too drunk. That actually the the missionaries had some connection with, and so they said, "Hey, she would be happy. She would be okay for you to pray for her." So just just that. Okay. And so so I said, "Yeah, sure." We went to actually uh, like a uh, what you say trailer or something that was mm-hmm. on the glamping area. We went inside with the two other women uh, and and myself to pray for her. And uh, and I said, "Okay, before I pray for you," uh, and I asked her a question, and then I had an hour. To share the gospel with her in, hmm. in just, uh, you know, in this like a living room, a small okay. living room. And she just gave her life to Christ uh, in tears. She was just uh, moved just within an hour. She just was open and she gave her life. Wow. And that was crazy. But then I get back outside and I have, there's like still two or three guys who are like totally drunk. Mm-hmm. And it's the night, nice, it's like 11. And I'm just going and I'm joining them and just joining them, trying to talk with them. And it's just so weird because it's uh I'm I'm talking about God a little bit, saying, Hey, you know, so God like I'm I'm a pastor and God is uh, yeah. is is real, you know, and they say, Ah, I don't care about God, I just uh. Nah, There's no God or anything. And then I will share a little more and say, you know, Jesus loves you and loves you. And they would actually show me a cross that they have uh, and say, oh yeah, Jesus, I love Jesus. He's nice. So it's just like totally crazy. There's no way you can get anything out of them. And so I'm I'm ready to go. I'm ready to leave. It's 11. I'm with my wife and I feel, and that happens to me a lot. That's really words of knowledge is a big part of my ministry. So I feel what we call sympathy pain. So I feel in my Hmm. body, at some place, something, and that gives me an uh, information about uh, what the people in front of, uh, of me might be suffering from. I'm never sure about it, so I'm just sharing it, and yeah. so I feel like a tingling in my in my heart, and um, uh, that tingling in my heart is making me aware, I think, that there's a heart disease, mm-hmm. something with one of the guys. So I'm I'm telling him say before I leave. Do any of you has a heart disease? And and then they look at me, and and one starts actually like crying right mm. there. What's happening? I don't know it. Yeah. just crying and says, um, no, no. <laughs> We don't have heart disease, and I'm like, okay, but my daughter does, and he, he's pointing oh, okay. at, at, at his daughter that was just behind us all during that time, teenage daughter with another teenage girl, and they were just here and actually listening to me trying to share the gospel to the two the two guys who were right. drunk. Okay, so that guy was drunk, he's like um, crying his alcohol off of his of his body, you know, <laughs> yeah. he's getting more sense now uh-huh. than, than he's crying. And, and he's saying, how do you know something like that? And I said, well, the Holy Spirit talks to me, and, and he gave me the information that I was supposed to pray for your daughter. I guess that's all. And so the daughter is telling me, well, actually, I got out of the hospital this morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I have this, like, geneti- genetical heart disease that has been all of my life since I was born. And then the dad is just crying and said, it's crazy, man. It's crazy. Like, God was just, his hand was on her all of her life. Jesus mm-hmm. is real. He <laughs> just had <have> nothing. <laughs> Thing to say. Okay, yeah. sure. And I got to pray for her. Uh-huh. Now, telling you now, like it's been two months that she's been healed, I don't know. Uh-huh. I have this this deep feeling that God was up for something. Now I'm friend with her on Facebook, mm-hmm. and I'll, I'll have news. I'll, yes, someday yeah. I'll post on Facebook something about her. I'm, I'm sure. Uh, I got actually to pray for her uh, friend who was um, uh, losing her earring. Uh, you say hearing? hearing. or oh, ear? Uh, yeah, uh, hearing. And so I'm 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 starting to pray for her as well. And she says, "Well, tomorrow I'll know if I'm healed." No news from that, but this is gonna tell you one thing. Um, Evangelism happens especially in France, but I think also in america mm-hmm. when, when, when you take the opportunities God is giving you yeah. this is a, like this is really an along the way thing for sure it 's like you 're just just doing something and you, you never know exactly what 's going to happen, but you 're here and you say, "Here I am, send me, and then something is going to happen and that story is just powerful for that yeah. because yeah, they are drunk you 're not going to get anything out of them. until God sends you um, something from heaven, this this I know, and I want you to share that information yeah. with them prophetically. And you're like, whoa, okay. Yeah, and you were ready to
1: give up and call it a night. And, Absolutely. And God it, just did that to your heart.
0: It was the, 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 at the end, and often that's what happens. You yeah. know I'm like, okay, God, there's nothing. I'm not going to waste my time. Kind right. of like this thing. It's just personal. It's uh, in the flesh, you know. But And then God is reminding me, no, no, I wanted you there, so Yeah. Here I, it I, is. I
1: love how God allows us to come to the end of ourselves so that we rely on him. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> like that's that's exactly what happened there. Like he's like you've done everything you know how to do yeah. and you were being obedient to God in that yeah. whole, in that whole time. Then all of a sudden it's like, Okay, man who now realizes that there's nothing that he can do, I'm gonna show up here and I'm gonna do this. Exactly. That's, that's pretty cool. Man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we were just talking about hearing the voice of God. Yep. And God speaking through you. Do you remember the first thing that God spoke to you, like the first time that you heard his voice?
0: Um, I think I heard his voice a few times not making sense out of it Uh, but I could tell you I could tell you the first time I had I think a, a word of knowledge And that I acted on it. And then God did something amazing. Uh, That could be the story. It happened in America. Okay. Uh, So that's good. You know, I come to America. I'm blessed. Sometimes I get support. But I get a lot of insights from the Holy Spirit here. And so I was reading books about healing and words of knowledge. I I really uh, like to uh, uh, read um, the books of Randy Clark. uh, Okay. Randy Clark is very... I am kind of... I went to seminary. Mm -hmm. Uh, I come from a um, um, conservative background and I became more like a charismatic I call myself a Baptist. Yeah, yeah and and uh and so reading somebody that makes a lot of sense out of wonders of God right. like signs and wonders is powerful for me so if anybody actually listening to the podcast is interested in making a lot of theology and sense out of signs and wonders mm-hmm. Randy Clark is the, the, yeah. the best author global I, I know awakening for right global it's, awakening yeah. yes absolutely it's uh cool. and yeah, and and so um, reading in those books, I was reading about sympathy pain. So that's a thing that I never heard of before. But he is like uh, he has in his ministry; he can feel in his body mm-hmm. pl- and diff- specific places where people are uh, are um, suffering uh, right. or what people are suffering from, which is amazing it's not even in the bible i think per se Uh, it doesn't matter it's just a way that the holy spirit has to Mm -hmm. making us aware there's something that i want to work in people and so um i'm in a restaurant and after reading about all those things i'm not thinking about it then but i'm in a restaurant with uh, uh, other friends and every time the waitress comes i feel like um, it's it's not even a a tingling it's like uh almost a pain Mm -hmm. that comes in on my spinal cord and uh it's like just in the middle of my back every time, and I'm like, whoa! And it's not my pain. It's just weird. It's like, it's that feeling, and I'm sure everybody had had those feelings in their bodies mm-hmm. where you know they, they feel something, whoop, and it, it just leaves, like a, a pain yeah. that for a few seconds. And I feel that there, and then I'm like, hey. What if it was a sympathy pain? Mm. Because I'm sure I had that before. But what if it was actually God uh, telling me something for that waitress? And and I'm like excited, and then I'm not excited anymore. I'm like, oh my goodness, (laughs) what if it is? I got to do something about this now. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. I got to do something about this. And I'm even going in the bathroom, uh, sweating, and like saying, oh my goodness, what if I'm wrong? And that's Uh the new thing. Like, what if was uh, God was up for something, led to what if I'm wrong? Mm. And that was the devil really working and trying to uh, make me avoid to hear God's voice. And, and especially because of my like, be, being self-conscious, you mm-hmm. know, uh, self-conscious about myself. And I don't want to mess up in front of somebody. I, wanna, I don't want to make a fool of myself, but I think it's important to obey God. And I'm in the, in the bathroom and I'm saying, God, please, if it's a word of knowledge, just tell me. Just tell me. Mm-hmm. And it's just weird because I, I'm not expecting God to tell me anything. But I have this voice in my head said, I guess you're going to have to figure this out. <laughs> and and it's, it's very, in my relationship yeah. with God, it's all about this. It's yeah. just always like, try it, you know, <laughs> risk it. Like, uh, I, I like this, this word, like uh, uh, a guy that I know, Robbie Dawkins, okay. uh, he, he tends to say, and I, I'm sure he gets it from somebody else, say, faith is spelled R. I. S. K. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever heard yeah, that, yeah, but yeah. I just love that. And then I'm I'm in front of it. And I'm going back, and I'm I I think until the last second I was thinking I would I would not try that word of knowledge, and I would just leave. But then I have this kind of like feeling. Okay, let's just do it. When I stand to leave the table mm-hmm. and to leave the the restaurant, and and the and the uh, waitress comes, I say, "Hey, what's your name?" And So I'm not very con- confident. Uh, Timmy. I'm like Timmy. And I don't even ask her. I just say, you have pain in your back right there, right? And she's like, how do you know that? And like, okay, this is good. <laughs> this is happening. It's a good step right oh, there. Yeah. That's just like a big relief. Right, and I'm right. so excited that I get actually to be, yes! <laughs> awesome. So she's like, I have pain in my back, and I'm like, yes.
1: <laughs> you know? You're excited about the pain.
0: Exactly. I'm excited about the pain. But like she's looking at me weird and I say, No, no, but I believe you're gonna be healed right now. Yeah. And that changes the atmosphere. And I say, Can I pray for you? And and she starts crying right mm-hmm. away. And she says Oh, please pray for me. A year ago, my, my husband died, and I, I, I'm left alone, and my life has been very, very difficult. And she's really crying through that. And she's like, oh, my goodness, she needed an encounter from God there. Mm-hmm. And so I end up saying, okay, well, i pray for healing first. And so I'm praying for healing. And after, like, the first prayer, she still has some pain, so I pray again. That's is important. I keep praying until until it's done. I don't pray once and say, oh, okay, I guess uh, it was yeah. not God's timing. Yeah. No, so I pray again, and then she's like, "Now it's totally gone, and she's crying crying and then I pray over her and I feel in the spirit that uh, she left her church actually when her husband died and mm-hmm. so I just say that like I, I just felt it, I don't know, I say and you left uh, your church and it was actually a good church, that's exactly where God wants you and she's like crying more mm-hmm. kind of agreeing to exactly what I'm saying and she she just had this encounter, I got her a phone number I got her to uh, to text yeah. with her a little bit for, like a few days later and she said I'm going back to church and and I'm just thinking this is crazy because like 99% of myself wanted to avoid right. that God was talking to me and that changed this woman's life right there mm-hmm. and so that became a thing where I'm saying okay God I have to be aware I have to do something whenever I feel like you're, you're saying something to me mm-hmm. so that was really my first very specific word of knowledge first of a lot of them because after that it was just crazy almost yeah. every day everywhere I went and, and healings everywhere <laughs> it was uh, incredible wow.
1: What's the most uh, remarkable healing that stands out to your mind?
0: Uh, you know, the the most remarkable healing actually happened before that. Okay. That's, that's the first healing that I've ever been involved in. Um, and it was part of the church that we're recording the podcast in Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and um, they have a, a retreat uh, every once in a while during the year for people whether they're new, new Christians or people who are new members and mm-hmm. just have to want to do it, it's called an Encounter sure. and so I was just serving at that retreat because I had done that retreat before and it's just uh, not to give more uh, too much information but it's a, it's a very powerful time for people to, to to spend a weekend away and just spend time with the Lord Mm. and uh, there's an encounter really that they do with the Lord during that retreat, and so i 'm here and i 'm part of the staff you know, cleaning and everywhere and there there's this guy uh, who is uh, from the church here, and back then he was uh, he was um, um, homeless actually, okay. and so he used to come to the church to um, f- because there was a free breakfast mm-hmm. eight years ago in this church and uh, and uh, he probably also spent the weekend paid by the church so he had free food and (laughs) something like that and he was uh, he was a grumpy man I remember him as being (laughs) a grumpy man you know not ever okay and he was working with a cane and it was maybe in his 50s and uh, with a lot of pain in his legs and for 10 years he had been like with pain and working with a cane and taking a lot of medication after I think it was a car accident Mm. and he was like this divorced man not in touch with his ex-wife and his children anymore he had been a um entrepreneur before but now he was in the street and that guy is like he has nothing and i'm Mm -hmm. seeing this guy and i'm like oh my gosh i just want to see this man being killed and it's kind of like the only thing i'm thinking about during the whole uh retreat and so i pray for him at some point when i see him in pain and and i pray and 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 he's like yeah thank you it doesn't work but thank Mm -hmm. you and he leaves and i'm like ah what does it take Lord for you to heal somebody That was my question then That was 8 years ago And um, at night it's like 12.30 at night And I'm in my bed I just went to bed I'm ready to to sleep Mm -hmm. I'm in my pajamas And then I feel like this guy is uh outside and waiting for me outside of the building in pain and i need to pray for him and that's like the weirdest feeling and i'm like oh my gosh what do i do like do i stay in my bed i was not very tired so i feel okay you know what so i don't take anything i just take my bible Mm -hmm. and i go outside and i turn around uh the building everywhere to find him luckily it was in august and not in january so i was still in my pajamas yeah but when i actually uh, I don't find him anywhere and when I actually uh I'm ready to get back inside say okay well I guess it was just my mind mm-hmm. then it's locked from in the the the, oh, the outside. No. yeah inside been, been, yeah there's no nothing I'm just stuck outside I have no cell phone no keys I just have a bible in my pajamas and <laughs> and I'm like I'm I'm laughing out loud on myself thinking that I was in my bed mm-hmm. and now I'm stuck outside for all night
1: right because everybody else is asleep.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And I cannot contact, contact anybody. Th- that building is not made that way. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, okay, I guess, Lord, you want to spend some time with me. That's mm-hmm. all. And okay. I'm trying to trust that God is up for something. And I'm here, and I'm just starting to say, well, I'm going to pray all night for this guy to be healed. No matter what it takes, I'm just going to pray all night. Mm-hmm. And I ended up praying mostly for this guy for seven hours straight until it was 7 a.m., so six, six and a half yeah, hours, you yeah, know. Yeah. Yeah? And at 7 a.m., I was playing it, you know, with my Bible. Like, the, the kitchen was open because uh-huh. the guy was making breakfast, you know, uh-huh. and uh, the the... the the cook was just uh, smoking a cigarette outside <laughs> so I'm like oh and I was playing it like yeah, I woke up early to read my bible you know <laughs> But no, I had stuck outside all night exactly yeah. I was stuck outside all night and I waited for this guy to wake up until like 8.30 and I waited and waited and when I see him so just to tell you yeah. I'm dressed this time and okay, not in my yeah, that's pajamas anymore. Not any anymore I'm seeing him coming and I'm like yeah how do you feel and he's like oh man I've been in pain all night I couldn't barely sleep and I'm like so discouraged I'm yeah like, what does it cost lord what is the cost for for healing and i'm just very discouraged but i feel you know what i've been spending all night praying and i think god is up for something mm-hmm. so i went to see the pastor and i said just wanted to let you know not not to put <laughs> anything on you know like uh, take any glory of it because it's not mm-hmm. but i just god forced me to spend all night praying and i think god, if something is going to happen i thought this guy would be healed but he didn't so I'm just, just gonna leave it, leave it with you and see, and let me know if you see anything that's happening during the day during the retreat. I went to bed, yes. <laughs> to sleep a little bit. Yeah, and then uh, when I was doing my chores at five o'clock, around five o'clock, the pastor comes to me, and he was like totally, like white or I don't know what I say, like he saw a ghost. Yeah, and he's like, Manu, you have to follow me outside. I'm like saying what what's happening? You say, I can't tell you. You have to follow me, you have to see it by yourself. And so I just arrive outside, just outside of the building, and then I see the the guy I prayed for all night uh-huh. and he's in tears jumping and having his cane like all over his head. When I see that I fall in in tears like I had never done that before I I faint (laughs) you know like in tears saying finally I saw a healing you know I was it was in 2011 and that was the first time I saw that happening after I prayed for somebody and the guy said pastor told me you prayed all night for me and I was like oh okay no it's not but he took me in his arms and we've we've stayed friends since Mm. and he's still in this church and he's actually uh, greeting people with a big smile every time he doesn't need a, a cane anymore And it's been it's been a like a healing story that I've followed for a long time.
1: Yeah. That's that's really cool. Um, Yeah. You know, you weren't you didn't it wasn't through the laying on of your hands right then, but God caused you to have sympathy for him and pray for him all night. Exactly. And he really travailed. Yeah. You persevered through that. Um, even though you were stuck outside, you kinda didn't have a choice. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But God puts us in those situations where we can choose you know, to focus on ourselves, um, or you could have just been like, I'm going to break in somehow. I'm going to get back into my bed where it's nice and, you know, comfortable. But you said, I'm going to pray for this guy the whole mm-hmm. night. Yeah. And you saw something happen, not the way that you thought you would, yep but the way that God wanted it to happen. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you, you told the pastor cause you just wanted accountability, I guess, not to, not mm-hmm. any glory. So
0: I, I think it's very important I, in, in my story and the way I do ministry. Um, I I I'm end up preaching in in churches in more conservative and sometimes very charismatic churches, mm-hmm. and I have like a bunch of people uh, waiting in line for being prayed over, and I've seen healing in churches a lot when I was praying over people. But um, I know there's a big uh, part of my heart that wants to train people into mm-hmm. do those things. Like I don't want to be. Uh, having a, not that I'm criticizing uh, uh, at all, but like Benny Hinn's uh, mm-hmm. kind of ministry, where it's all about like the the gift of Benny Hinn and and yeah. how people can be healed. But I really believe there is a gift for for sure. Like I I get to pray for like half of the people I pray over are healed, mm-hmm. uh, and and uh, and most of the time, and that's why the number can be high. Most of the time, people are non-believers, and it happens outside of the church mm. building. Like it's almost like on the streets. It's a ninety nine percent chance people are gonna end up being healed when I pray for them. It's crazy. Wow. And and I think I think I think spiritually, um, the, 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 the heavenly realms are not ready uh, for people going in the streets and pray for healing, they're not like they're not covering any blessings. I don't know how to explain that, but like there are no demons protecting illnesses, if you know what I mean. So because those are not there when I come there, mm. there's nothing that avoids that that makes it impossible for people to be healed. I don't know if that that is uh, that makes sense, but like in churches, I believe there there are some some spirits that are put over churches mm. to really uh, make us uh, like being uh, in. Unbelief a lot, and and uh, there are so many many f- reasons. I think that in in churches we don't see a lot of healing because actually the the, the devil is after our churches a lot. Mm. He puts a lot of things against us in okay. in spiritual warfare. But once you get in the darkness. The darkness. There is one thing that is ruling there, and not expecting at all you uh, mm-hmm. coming and pray for healing, and that's why it
1: happens. So it's like you're a special agent or like a special forces operative going into the darkness. Exactly. And they're I, not ready for you.
0: I try not to tell the darknesses that I'm coming. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, just just going yeah. there, and uh, and and it's uh, it happens. Yeah. So, Manu, how did you feel that you were being led that this was going to be your life's work the call of God on your life was for ministry because in France where you're from you said one percent is Christian obviously God gave you a heart for the people there the people everywhere really but it's not an it's not a normal path that people would take growing up in, mm-hmm. in France so tell me a little bit about how God led you to that this is going to be your full-time ministry
0: yeah so it's a it's a long story again, (laughs) (laughs) but I'm going to try to make it short like I did since the beginning of the podcast. Uh, (laughs) um, I came to Christ when I was 15 and my dad was an evangelist. Uh, My dad has been a pastor too, and um, he's been really struggling a lot through his ministry uh, not not because because of not on on his fault, but mm-hmm. mostly because it's so hard right. to do ministry. And he we're seeing like a division within churches and stuff like that. And my dad always said, "I'm not a pastor; I'm an evangelist." And mm-hmm. couldn't really understand what it was. I knew he was bringing people to the Lord. When, after I came back, I came to Christ when I was 15. I I started bringing people to the Lord myself. Mm. So I was seeing seeing the same thing a gift of evangelism. Uh, and I don't know exactly if I if I can. Call it that way. It's very complicated. I have a, yeah, I have a theology about evangelism that is a little weird. Uh, But uh, I was seeing that I could talk to people and people could could come to Christ, and I've I saw it happening several times per year over my life, whether I was in ministry or not. And I knew there was a call in ministry. I went to to get trained in a Bible college, um, like as as soon as I could. And then um, I shifted to do uh, to work in the movie industry for a little while because I actually had on my heart to do movies. Mm-hmm. You know, like Mel Gibson is doing uh, the Passion of the Christ. Right. It's right. not a Christian movie. It can go everywhere in the world in mm-hmm. every movie theaters, but but people really see the the gospel there so that I had really a dream to kind of be an evangelist through, through movies. So I tried that for a little while and mostly was a screenwriter. And during that time I was serving in churches with like, there, everything is to be done in France. So I was like the, the youth pastor and the, the worship mm. director, and I was just doing everything, uh, preaching whenever the pastor wasn't preaching. And I was just like, overwhelmed by ministry and I had to to stop. That's when I came to America. Mm-hmm. I saw a call on church planting mostly because I felt, wow, there are so many great churches in America. And, and if I'm not myself going to France and starting those churches, we'll never see them, those mm-hmm. churches. So that was kind of church planting was really important. God talked to me a lot through this. And at some point I, I started struggling because the, the two... Uh, the the two first churches that i that i started were uh house churches and i had this uh, ability with the people i was working with to actually bring a lot of people in that those group bring a lot of people to christ within the the group mm-hmm. but discipling them was super hard okay i was just not good at this it was not my uh my giftings and um i think it was a big big um shift in my pride is just to uh, to accept that i could not pastor a church mm. it was hard because i felt well there is no pastors here so i have to be a pastor but i am not mm. i am not and i was struggling because i was saying yeah but i have a gift of evangelism and it's not like it's a ministry or anything i don't i don't know what to do with that and i went to a church uh, and that was funny because it was right before i came back to america for three months starting dating my wife mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I had like this, this wonderful story of uh, how I met her and, and anything and um, just before I came to America I visited a church out of nowhere a little church in the country uh, and I go there and there's a guy uh, giving a prophetic word and saying there is here in this this church and we we're maybe 35 people mm-hmm. there's a guy there's somebody that is called to be an evangelist and God is going to reveal to him what it is Okay, interesting. And then the guy comes back when he does actually the offering and say, "Before I do the offering, I have to be obedient to God." And he looked at me in the eyes and he said, "So you're the evangelist." He pointed and it right at you. Exactly, right at me and saying, and God wants you to be really aware of everything he's going to tell you in your trip very soon. And I'm like, whoa, what is that? The guy doesn't know me or anything. Right, right. And so I got to talk with him. Actually, I found a connection. He knows my aunt, but that we don't, it doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. And and then I'm like, okay. And I go to, I go to America and I spent some time with a guy who became my mentor. So I don't know if you ever heard of Robbie Dawkins. I was talking about him. He's a guy who is like uh, featured in all the documentaries, like Holy Ghost, okay. Holy Ghost Reborn. Uh, like a guy about my like my size, mm-hmm. overweight guy and a, a, a bald guy, um, and he just goes and prays for people in the streets and everything. He has a very powerful mm-hmm. ministry in America and in other countries. And so I got to meet with him and I got to see him. And what he was doing was never to pray for people or to share the gospel directly to people, but he was doing everything to equip people to do right. so. And and he'd hit me when uh, somebody else. So prophecy is very important in my life. I'm mm-hmm. not putting everything on prophecy, but prophecy kind of gives me a like. How do you say? Um, uh, uh, confirms things sure. from the lord and I, really sometimes i'm thinking something the bible feels like the Bi- it's right with the bible and then there's a pro- prophetic word and then i know i can go there mm-hmm. and so some a, a guy is prophesying over me doesn't know at all it's actually at global awakening during a okay, okay. conference and and i have this guy prophesying and says um i see you going from street ministry to strategic ministry And you're going to over, you're going to kind of oversee a lot of evangelists and people doing that. And so I'm just like, okay, now I understand it. And I went back to France knowing exactly what was my ministry. Hmm. And I'm an evangelist, which means it's a ministry, which means I equip people to do the job. Yeah, I can do it. I'm good at it. I can do it. I can still share the gospel to people, pray for for mm-hmm. healing, having words of knowledge. But everything I do now, I'm equipping other people, other churches, is to say, okay, you're all called. You're all evangelists in some ways, not not because you all have the ministry, but because you're all supposed to to testify, right. to witness about your faith. You're all supposed to make disciples, and so my job is to make you. Grow in it, like Mm -hmm. understand it, fully understand what your identity in Christ is so you can be released to actually talk to your neighbor. Um, If you go to a movie theater and you feel like the Lord is leading you towards a person, you'll do it. And it actually talks a lot about identity because people don't do that Mm -hmm. because they, they don't feel like they feel self-conscious, they, they have problems. So when I come with my, my you know, my silhouette kind of, mm-hmm. you know, like they see that I'm struggling with some things too. Right, right. I'm not perfect. I'm not this like good looking blonde guy that goes to the gym. <laughs> I'm just this guy, this guy who wants to, to change the world. And, and I, right. God just called me to do that and to equip people to do so.
1: Yeah. Now, Mano, what has happened in your life that has showed you that God, that Jesus was walking with you, but you didn't realize it until you look back? um well i could i
0: could have so many examples yeah yeah. i can share the example of my wife um because uh i i was like i'm 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 a guy who had never like dated being in a relationship with Mm -hmm. a girl until i met my wife at 30 years old so it was a long time to wait and to see uh, God, uh, God's hand in this. But it's very interesting because I met my wife and that's, that's a whole story mm-hmm. about it. But I, I saw really confirmation of God. Like when I came in 2011, God told me really, like literally, your wife is in Pittsburgh. So after one and a half year not meeting her, going mm-hmm. back to France, I was really not happy. <laughs> I was like, what? And so I felt, you know what? Yeah. Maybe I don't hear God's voice clearly, maybe it was a lie or I don't know how I could I uh, could mm-hmm. picture it mm-hmm. and five years later, when I come back to Pittsburgh, and then people we we met through Jonathan <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and his wife Annika are actually uh, just uh, just inviting a girl and I to banjo night in Pittsburgh, and I get to meet this girl, I'm just thinking, "Wow, she's yeah. awesome, yeah but you know what i'm so I'm so feeling bad about myself that I'm thinking, wow, there's a guy who's going to have a wife like that. <laughs> Seriously. And yeah. I'm going back to France knowing, well, I'm in France. She's in Pittsburgh. It's never going to happen. Yeah. And I have this deep feeling that God um, wants to bless me, but I'm not letting him bless, mm. him, bless me. And I, I learned later that it was actually what we call spirit of poverty. Like It doesn't mean mm. you're poor all the time, but it's this idea that you don't matter much to God. You're already saved. It's enough. Don't think that God is going to do much in your life. Because now he's really after other people, especially the lost. And when you're, uh, when you're an evangelist, you care so much for the lost that you don't care about yourself mm. at all. That's where I was. And That's so I'm really saying, good.
1: That's really, yeah.
0: And I'm saying, God, what, what, why? And I'm, at some point, I'm in my small, crappy apartment where everything I own has been given by people because I have no money, I have nothing. And I'm saying, I, no, I don't even have a wife. Mm-hmm. And then God says, will you let me bless you? And it was just crazy for me to think that I was actually preventing God mm. to bless me. Like, there's like a, a whole sermon or book to to write about yeah. it. But I'm just, okay. I'm just, oh, 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 all right. W- what, what do you want me to do? And, and I hear his voice saying, go to America for three months. And back then, I, I have this, like a small group of 20 to 30 people uh, and if i leave it's it's going to be hard <laughs> mm-hmm. you know it's not right, like right. i can leave whenever i want but it's so crazy that i know god is telling me to do something and so when i come to america we're like september 2017 for 3 months i'm like i'm sure i'm here to raise support and so i'm putting a bunch of different uh uh meetings with churches mm-hmm. and with people mm-hmm. during my time there and while i'm there i'm thinking you know what about this girl? Let's see if uh, if she's still single. First sure, thing. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm, uh, I'm reaching out to her uh, and we get for coffee and we, we have a few dates. And what's interesting is that when I left Pittsburgh in 2011, um, the, the church actually gave me to encourage me a plaque that you just put on your wall. Mm-hmm. That plaque said Jeremiah 29:11, for I know the plans that I made for you. Mm-hmm. That's that verse. When I saw that, I was actually really angry at God saying, you really? Sure. You promised me I would I have a wife in Pittsburgh. Yeah. And so I left it in America with friends. Mm. And when I was uh, dating uh, Emma, who is now my wife, uh, friends of mine who kept that plaque gave it back to me. And I'm like, huh, interesting. I'm not not, saying, not making yeah, yeah, yeah. any sense of it. Yeah. And then I'm, uh, I'm, I'm meeting with Emma, and she was wearing flip-flops. So for the first time, I see her feet. Mm-hmm. And actually, there is a tattoo on her feet. And I'm like... What's ta- what, what did you tattoo on your feet? And she's like, oh, it's so like a few years ago, I, I, I needed that for my life, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. Mm-hmm. And like that same day, and I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah. So I'm not saying, you know, like sometimes signs are big, like signs were big in my life, and right. I made mistakes through, through signs. But I'm saying, okay, God, I'm just going to keep hearing you. You know, when you, when, you, when you end up meeting all of her family and, and getting engaged within one and a half months, And all of her family is scared at me, saying, who is this guy from another country that is going to take her with him? and 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 you realize that if you didn 't know English that well because you had not been in Pittsburgh uh-huh. uh, eight years ago and you had not been taught you know through this church here in Pittsburgh, all those things are just making all sense all the all the pain that I yeah. had to be single. I knew that God was preparing me like i, I had I, I was dealing with some sins in my life that I got rid uh, of before I could meet my wife, which mm-hmm. was really great there were some some very difficult uh, things that I was dealing with, and that was gone just so i could be prepared for my Mm -hmm. wife and it was the the same path for her so it was just a perfect time for
1: us to meet and to be married that's awesome so um if you could go back in time and talk to yourself maybe when you're 15 or before you know this happened what advice would you give yourself and where would you meet yourself well i'm gonna
0: i'm gonna tell myself you're still fat (laughs) in 19 years (laughs) that's the thing that you have not got rid of but everything else the lord has been really really blessing you and working in your life a lot everything else and so that's uh that's uh i think i would i would really encourage myself for sure i mean i it was like everybody goes through difficult times Mm -hmm. my most difficult times really were in I had no money for most of my life. My parents didn't have much, so I was paying for school on my own. I was working at McDonald's mm-hmm. sometimes uh, at night and going to classes in the morning. I was had this rough beginning when I left my parents and never really got to be to experience what it was to be at least ma- ma- materially blessed a little mm-hmm. bit. And but all that time God really shaped me and gave me I think a lot of wisdom and and now the way I'm using it in ministry is powerful, so I would yeah. actually tell myself it's going to suck for you, man, <laughs> but what's coming is amazing mm.
1: that's what I would say yeah so in in connection with that, what advice would you give me to have that kind of steadfastness with the Lord to stick to it uh, with what God's calling us to do
0: i mean it's it's not it's not easy, it depends where anybody is um I think Jeremiah 29 11 is interesting when you understand the context. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeremiah 29 11 is a verse that uh, Jeremiah is, is talking to Israel, who is Getting far from the Lord, mm-hmm. especially Jer- Jerusalem, mm-hmm. the, the the kingdom of the south, and 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 telling them that God has plans for them. Uh, it's we've all, all always used it personally, mm-hmm. you know, like it's for me. It's God is talking to me. But I think if we understand the context, that actually God is talking to a people that is rejecting Him and mm-hmm. is actually gonna reject Him more and more and more. Yeah, they're about to go
1: into the Babylonian captivity. Exactly.
0: He's telling them, I have plans for you of happiness, of to thrive, all those things. I have them for you. And actually, Israel went away from that. Mm-hmm. that that teaching us you know that actually God really has planned for all of us, yeah. because we're his children, His will for us is incredible, His will for us is that we're healed, His will for us is that we 're all saved. His will for us is that we, we uh, we're blessed through him, and we can do his work on earth he doesn 't want us to be in poverty mm-hmm. and doing uh, and doing uh, ministry, He wants us to be comfortable and do ministry like yeah. that's a big part of uh, of the things. We we all often think that, no, God is just calling us to suffer and anything. God doesn't make us suffer. The devil will make us suffer. God warns us that you're going to suffer. It mm. <laughs> doesn't mean that he's the one making us <laughs> yeah. suffer. He said, you're going to go through rough times. This is the truth. I'm not saying that we're called to happiness and awesome things on earth, but God wants to equip us also with some blessings in our mm. lives. And when I'm reading that, I'm saying there are promises for all of us. And the first one is, I believe if anybody that is listening is single and has, uh, has the, uh, the will to be married, I believe he can take it as a promise and proclaim that promise over their lives. I really think this is, this is powerful and this is strong. Mm. And if that promise doesn't happen, maybe the devil doesn't want them to be married. But God wants them to be married. If you don't have the desire to be married in your heart, I would say probably God is giving you a gift of celibacy, mm-hmm. and that's great. But if you do want to get married, just proclaim that on, your, on yourself a yeah. lot. And, and I, I learned with all the times where I was not doing that, I learned to proclaim blessings over my life more and more and more. Not because I, I want to have everything. Mm-hmm. And, and It's just because I believe that God loves me dearly, deeply, and he wants to do something yeah. Uh, through me and by loving me, he's going to give me the things that my heart desires, and that's like I'm making him my delight.
1: Yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm. Well, Manu, thank you so much for being with with me along the way today. And I thanks for next time me. that you're in town, uh, let's get together and uh, and continue this conversation. That would be great. Yeah. That would be awesome. I'm grateful that my journey has crossed paths with Manu. It's awesome to hear his stories of how God uses the gifts of the Holy Spirit so prevalently in his life, especially with words of knowledge and then words of healing. You know, God knows us better than we know ourselves and He knows the plan from the beginning to the end. And He knows what it is that He wants us to do that brings Him the most glory and the most joy for us and the most purpose as well. I love whenever God speaks to me something in my heart for somebody else. And I just take that step and just be a little bit bold and say, hey, I think this is what God is saying. What do you think? Recently, I was on an outreach with some people from our church and I was teamed up with this girl named Sarah. We were going around praying for people in the area around our church and she had a word of knowledge for somebody and it actually threw a sympathy pain in her throat. She said to this lady, I feel like there's something strange in my throat and so I'm gonna pray for your throat." And the lady started freaking out because she had just had a procedure to stretch out her throat because it was constricting and it was hard for her to swallow. God will show us how to pray for each other and for ourselves and for the world even. In Romans 8:26, the Bible says, "'Likewise the Spirit also helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Holy Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. You know, even when you don't know what to pray or how to respond, God does, and he will give us wisdom in those right moments. How does God want to use you? That's something that I try to ask myself all the time. Am I making sure that I'm available and obedient for whatever God wants me to be doing? Manu made mention of Randy Clark, who is an author, speaker, and Bible teacher, who has an incredible ministry, and I'll be providing links for his ministry, Global Awakening, in the show notes. I want to let you know that I am very excited about the next few episodes, especially, that are coming up. I was just in Nashville for the last week or so, and I got to catch up with some amazing people that I've met along the way through my work as a television producer, but I got to connect with them in the Nashville area. People like Donna Van Leer, who's the author of books like The Christmas Shoes and many other Christmas books, and actually many other books in general. Some of her books have actually been turned into movies, which is really cool. She has a great story and will definitely minister to you. Bill Deaton is a music producer who has worked with some very well-known artists, and you're going to enjoy his story. Jaron Davis wrote the song Holy Ground when he was 19 years old. We got to catch up at Christ Church in Nashville. And we actually set up on the stage and he played me a lot of those songs. And you'll get to hear some stories behind the songs. That is gonna be a fun episode. Also, Ken Abraham has worked with many, many people to author more than 90 books. People like John Ashcroft, the former US Attorney General under George W. Bush. And Buzz Aldrin, a man that actually got to walk on the moon. And all the way to people like Chuck Norris, And George Foreman, he has written books with a wide variety of people. There is so many more people that I want to share with you, but I got to wrap this episode up. Thank you for listening to Along the Way. If you've enjoyed joining me along my way, please share this with a friend who you think will be encouraged by this podcast. Also, please rate and subscribe to this podcast. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and at my website, alongtheway.media. And you can always email me at johnalongtheway at gmail.com. I hope that you've enjoyed this part of my journey, and may you realize when Jesus is walking with you along your way.